0: Last week, Pastor Emily reminded us of who we are. She reminded us that we are flawed human beings, that we are sinners. Yet, once we confess our sins and accept God's love for us, there is nothing we can do to lose our status before God as forgiven. That is who we are. We are a forgiven people. There's no mistake that we've made in our past. There's no mistake we're going to make today. And there's no mistake we're going to make in the future that will change the fact that we are a forgiven people. And not only are we forgiven, Emily reminded us that the Spirit lives within us, leading us, guiding us, and compelling us to love God and love others. And that brings us to the second part of our Romans 8 passage this morning. We'll pick up where she left off, but first, will you pray with me? O God, your word is more precious than gold and sweeter than the purest honey. As we turn to your scripture, send your Holy Spirit to infuse your word with truth and grace so that the good news of your love would shine before our eyes and delight our senses so that we cannot help but respond with wonder, faith, and trust. Amen. So we find ourselves in the second half of Romans chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 31 through 39. Now before I read it, I must tell you, I think that this is Paul's greatest locker room speech in, in the New Testament. Paul is excited. And if I, do, if I read this and you don't catch that, that's completely my fault. Now, Paul gives this theological rah, rah, rah speech. And that's what we're about to read as we begin So beginning in verse 31, let me get the scripture up. Here we go. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, How will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ who died, or rather, who was raised, who is also at the right hand of God, who is also interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or disease or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more victorious through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So in our text, Paul takes us through three movements, reminding the Christian of what it looks like to belong to God. First, he reminds us of what Christ has done in the past. He says this, He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us. Paul is telling the church, Remember, because you belong to God, you have been forgiven your past through Christ Jesus. Then he reminds them of what Christ is doing on their behalf today. He says, who is to condemn? He asks these rhetorical questions. Is it Christ who died, or rather who was raised, who is also at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us? Paul is saying, remember, because you belong to God, Christ intercedes for you in the present. This means when we ask God's forgiveness for our sin, God looks at us and sees Christ today. And finally, he reminds them of what Christ will do for them in the future. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here, Paul is saying, remember, church, because you belong to God, God will always be with you, even until the end of time. And nothing can stop that from happening. Once you belong to God, you belong for good. I'm reminded of the psalmist's voice here in this text when King David writes, "'Surely goodness and mercy will follow me "'all the days of my life, "'and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.'" And for those of you that are really into Narnia and C.S. Lewis, maybe this quote from Aslan will strike it home for you. He says, "'Once a king or queen of Narnia, always a king.'" or Queen of Narnia. So Paul is showing us Christ's work in our past, in our present, and in the future. Saint Patrick understood this in his time. He built on Paul's idea of Christ's presence all around us. He brought the concept a little more down-to-earth, where we as human beings were limited by space and time. So in the early 400s, just 400 years or so after Christ, here are the words that he penned, and we sang them earlier together. See, St. Patrick understands this as a surroundingness of Christ of our lives. I imagine it's much like this red dot on our cross here, kind of by itself down here at the bottom of the cross. So maybe hone in on that red piece of glass as we read this. Maybe the blue representing Christ, Christ behind me, Christ beside me, Christ before me, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I fall asleep, Christ when I wake up, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me. Christ in the eye that sees me. Christ in the ear that hears me. Friends, those who belong to Christ are surrounded, covered, completely and perfectly embraced by our loving God. This is Paul's great message of hope for us today. 1,200 years after St. Patrick wrote this prayer, Rembrandt took oil to canvas and painted this well-known and powerful image from the scripture found in the story of the prodigal son. Here we find a depiction of a prodigal son who, after squandering all of his money, bringing shame and dishonor to his family and upon himself, is welcomed home. With the powerful love and grace that a perfect father has for his child for those who wholly belong to him see i appreciate this painting from rembrandt because he captures the seriousness of the moment of forgiveness this isn't cheap grace this is true grace yes the father has extended that grace and welcomed his son home but in this depiction you can see the remorse the humility, the sorrow and sadness of the son who is falling into his father. It's almost a solemn scene that Rembrandt has captured, yet we know that following this moment of reconciliation came great celebration. The son, now fully restored, gets to experience the joy that comes from belonging to such a generous and kind father. In the scene, you can feel the peace coming over the son as he leans into his belonging, into his family, into his father's arms. So now a story that I believe sums up exactly what Paul is trying to tell us in our text today. There once was a very wealthy man who had a son. Having lost his wife, his son was everything to him. This man and his son loved to collect art and paintings. Their collections was vast from Picasso to Raphael. They would often sit together and admire the paintings. But not long after the son turned 18, a war broke out and the son went away to fight. He was very courageous and he died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his only son. A few moments, a few months later, there was a knock at the door, and a young man stood there with a large package in his hands. Sir, you don't know me, he said, but I am a soldier, I am the soldier that your son died to save. He saved many lives that day. And when he was carrying me to safety, a bullet struck him in the heart, and he died. The young man held out his package. I know this isn't much, he said, but your son often talked about you and your love for art. And I'm not a great artist, but I think your son would have wanted you to have this. The father opened the package to find a portrait of his son, painted by the young man. He stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son, especially in his eyes. Until his own eyes welled up with tears. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture. Oh no, sir. I could never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift, said the young man. So the father took the painting of the portrait and hung it over his fireplace and showed it to everyone who came to his home before he showed them his great masterpieces. Not long afterwards, the man died and a great auction of his paintings was organized. Many influential people came from all over the world to potentially purchase one of this family's many famous paintings. And on the platform of the auction, Sat the painting of the sun. And the auctioneer pounded his gavel. We'll start the bidding with the picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? There was a long silence. Finally, a voice from the back of the room. We want to see the famous paintings. Skip this one. But the auctioneer persisted. Who will bid for this painting? Who will start the bidding? One hundred dollars? Fifty dollars? Another voice shouted angrily, We didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Gogh's. Get on with the real paintings. But still the auctioneer continued, Who will take the son? And finally a voice from the back. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son, this family, And he said, I'll give $10 for the painting. And being a poor man, it was all he could afford. We have 10, who will bid 20? Give it to him for 10 and let's move on to the masters. The crowd was becoming angry. We don't want the picture of the sun. Going once, going twice, sold for $10. A man sitting on the second row shouted, Now let's get on to the collection. But the auctioneer laid down his gavel. I'm sorry, he said, but the auction is over. I'm sorry, the auctioneer explained. When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. And I wasn't allowed to reveal that till this moment. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned today. Whoever bought that painting would inhere, inherit the entire estate, including the other paintings. The one who chose the sun gets everything. Friends, those who choose the sun truly get everything.